Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Last Sunday, January the 3rd, I preached the message, Guard the Deposit. I took my text out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And I made the statement, before we get this new year started, could we pause for just a moment to remember what has been entrusted to our care? I spoke of serving as my ancestors did, as Paul said. In the 1950s, Americans stopped building front porches and perhaps stopped telling stories to their children. And I shared with you my story of how that my family line of faith had been passed down from my grandmother to my mother and to myself. And this came out of the passing of my mother just prior to that. I spoke of following in their footsteps, again, as Paul said. And I asked the question, have we kept our family line of faith straight? Are we still leaving footsteps of godly example? How is your family line of faith? How is it? My grandmother has passed and my mother has passed, but I'm still standing here preaching the same gospel. How is your family line of faith? And then again, just playing off of the words of the Apostle Paul in our text, I talked about fanning the fires of revival. And over the last several months, I shared with you how that I, find, I found myself reminiscing and, and just making the statement, I remember. I remember experiences that I had with God or experiences that I had as a child. And it was like God was trying to awaken or trying to fan flames, the flames of revival uh, in my heart, my spirit. The, the fire revival that I experienced at Brownsville, the fire revival that I experienced as a boy, the spirit of revival that I experienced as a teenager here in Beaumont. And then we talked about guarding the deposit, as Paul said. Guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. And I drew your attention to that statement in the video, son, when you get it, speaking of revival or the spirit of revival, you need to look at it as a spirit and not just an event. But when you get it, whatever you do, don't let go of it. Let it, let it so grip you that you spend the rest of your life pursuing the glory of God. And then I closed out with these statements. I have shared with you my story, hoping you would find your experience in it. And I have shared with you my mother's words, hoping you would hear your mother's voice. And that's what a preacher does. He tells his story, hoping that in his story, you'll find your experience. Because the Bible says we're, we're all men of the same passion. We're all alike. We're not as different as you think we are. You're convinced that everyone else is eating steak on Monday night when you're eating hamburger helper. But I promise you, everybody's eating hamburger helper on Monday night. That's just the way it works. We think we're different, but we're really not. So we look at the events of Wednesday, January the 6th, 2021. I watched it as you did. I had heard that President Trump was going to have a rally, and so I tuned in. I listened to President Trump's words. Then we saw the attack on the United States Capitol building. Then we watched later in the evening the certification of the election results. 
And then we began to look at the aftermath, and we had to try to wrap our minds around the death of five people on Capitol grounds. And that's something that I really want you to pay attention to. And I want you to really let your mind wrap around that. When we finished the day, I told Suzanne, I said, I'm not sure America understands what happened. I don't know that we completely understand all that took place. And right now, I'm wanting you to to think not as a Republican and not as a Democrat or an independent. I want you to think as as a Christian who has the mind of God and you're a part of God's kingdom. God's not a Republican. God's not a Democrat. God's not an independent. His kingdom supersedes our kingdom, and we need to understand that. Okay? You may be proud of your political party, and that's fine. But you need to know first and foremost, you serve God and you serve your part of the kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm first a Christian. Then I'm an American. And when you get those two reversed, you're going to get in trouble. You've got to be real careful with that. But we, we need to understand what happened with, on the Capitol grounds, the death of five people. Psalms 106 says, and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they have sacrificed to the idols of Cana, and the land was polluted with blood. I want you to notice that. The land was polluted with blood. Now listen to me. The Bible makes it very clear that innocent blood offends God. The blood of Abel cries out, it said. Thank God. In Hebrews, he said, the blood of Abel cries out, but there's another blood that cries out with a better word. And there's hope because of Jesus Christ and his blood. But we have to be real careful that we don't get caught up in idolatry. Whether it's politics, whether it's economics, we have to be real careful. And so we need to understand that on the grounds of the Capitol, there's been blood spilled. Do you really think that God is pleased with that young lady that got shot in the neck and died that served in our military? Do you think God's pleased with that, that Capitol police officer that was hit in the head with an object and he died? Do you really believe that God's pleased with that? This was innocent blood that was shed on the grounds of our capital. And now there's blood on the grounds of our capital and it's crying out. Now you can say, well, why are you saying that? Because we're kingdom people and we understand the ramifications of that. And the church is going to have to deal with that issue. As we preached back in 2016 on measure the distance of the slain, whenever Israel found a, a body out in a field, Israel had to measure the distance from that dead body to the villages around. And whatever village was the closest to that body, the priest of that that village had to take responsibility for the death. And they had to do what we call identificational repentance. They'd wash their hands of that blood that was shed. And then God would smile upon that nation again. And we preached that. And we talked about racial tension in America and how that at that time there were shootings in our streets and, and, and it, it wasn't black blood or white blood or blue blood, but it's red blood. And we as Christians must take offense to that. Rather, it's a police officer or a citizen. We have to take offense to that. And we have to repent for our nation. 
That's why we repent over abortion. I've never had an abortion, but I still take responsibility for my, my nation and I have to repent. And you listen to me, as sure as I'm standing here, somebody needs to fly to Washington, D.C., and maybe it's this preacher, and stand on the grounds of the Capitol building and wash his hands and lift his hands and, and bend his knee and say, God, would you forgive us for the shedding of blood on the grounds of the Capitol building? How many believes that this nation was, was founded uh, out of the mind and the heart of God? How many believes that America is a part of God's plan? How many believes that God established us and he blessed us and he smiled upon us so that we could take the gospel around the world? How many believes that? Then you need to know that God watches over this nation. And what happens on our capital grounds when there's bloodshed, we need to understand that that innocent blood is crying out. And God is offended by innocent blood that's in the ground. The Bible says, how many believes the Bible? How many, now look, we, we say we're Christians and we believe God's word until it starts encroaching, until it starts encroaching on the different areas of our lives. So let me encroach on your politics. How many believe Psalms where it says innocent blood pollutes the ground? Uh, do you believe it or not? Then there's, there's a pollution on the grounds of your capital and somebody needs to go deal with that. The blood cries out. You see, it's easy to talk about being a Christian until it starts encroaching on us. And now we have to deal with it. But I understand where we are as a nation right now. So here's the question. People are asking, what now? What now? What now? The prophets are in a holding pattern. They're waiting to see what happens between now and the inauguration. There is a, that we're trying to do the peaceful transfer of power. And then we're asking the question, what happens over the next four years and then we are trying to deal with the unifying and the healing of our nation. Now, here's what I, my, my real concern is. This is the, the news, the headlines that you read. America's democratic fabric is unraveling, and this is coming from overseas. It says, another one said, the unraveling of America, and another one said, an assault on democracy. Matthew 4, excuse me, Matthew 5, 14 reads, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I believe that America is a light for the world. It's a city on the hill. And I believe the enemy is doing everything he can to undermine this republic and tear it down because he wants to stop the church from preaching the gospel around the world as I'm doing right now online. He wants to stop us, and we need to recognize that. We need to see what the enemy is trying to do and how he's trying to undermine this great republic. We have to understand what's at work here. You've got to have kingdom eyes. You've got to see beyond just what's in front of you. We've got to see beyond what everyone else is just looking at. How many knows he's a master deceiver? And we have to understand, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to understand there's an assault on our democracy. And as I mentioned on these headliners, nations around the world are watching all of this and they're saying things like, the, uh, you know, America and its democracy is unraveling. The nations of the earth look to us for leadership. We are that city that's up on a hill and they're looking to us to establish liberty and justice for all. 
They're expecting us to fight the good fight for democracy. And right now you say, well, it's not true. Listen, the perception that they have is becoming their reality. And they believe that our democracy is unraveling. And we have got to stand strong for what we believe in and not allow the enemy to undermine this republic because this republic and this existence has more to do than just with your economy, your taxes, and, and the comfort of your living and my living. It has to do with the church and the preaching of the gospel around the world. Surely we believe that. Surely we believe that we've got to hold steady as a nation and it has to do with more than just me making more money. That it has to do with the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this nation. So I want to ask the question, is the light of Lady Liberty in danger? Is the light of freedom going out? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, we read last week, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to your care. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. I read that last Sunday, verses 3 through 14. And when I got to verse 14, I saw that where he said, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, surely he's going to give me something to say. And he never did on that one issue, on that one statement. And I let it go, not knowing that I'd be here today revisiting that. He said, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to your care. How do we guard it? With the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's title this, The Help of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to each and every heart on campus, online. Give us, give us the strength and the understanding and revelation on how we to move forward as a nation. How we as Christians in the church are to take our place, center stage, find our voice and speak up and speak up loudly to declare the counsel of God on planet earth. Help us this morning, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Are you okay? Yes. Take a deep breath. You're going to be all right. Yes. How many knows that your pastor loves you? Yes. Let me tell you something, guys. A lot of times I come to this pulpit and I come in here with fear and trembling, as Paul said, because I don't want to have to deal with some of the stuff I have to deal with. But I do it because I love you and I want you to know the truth. I want you to know the truth. Okay. November the night, excuse me, November the 18th, 1956, the leader of the Communist Party, Khrushchev, made this statement. We will take America without firing a shot. We, will, we do not have to invade the U.S. We will destroy you from within. November the 18th, 1956, he said, we'll destroy you from within. Death from within. Historian Will Durant said this, a great civilization is not conquered from without until it has first destroyed itself from within. The essential cause of Rome's decline lay in her people and her morals. Her decline lay in her people and her morals. On July the 5th, 2020, I preached a message entitled, The Nation That Forgets God. And I read to you out of Psalms 9, 17, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. And I made the statement, I'm afraid we're starting to forget who we are. 
understand that one of the reasons I, as a person, am so concerned about the moral decay in America, it's not just because I'm a preacher, but I'm a citizen. I'm an American. And I know from history, as the historian Durant said, that before a nation can be invaded from outside, it has to first destroy itself from within. And we see the moral decay that's happening in this nation. The nation that forgets God. The book of Psalms says the nation that forgets God goes to hell. It goes down to hell. It destroys itself. And America has got to wake up. America has got to wake up and realize what's happening to it. We as Christians have got to lift up our voice. Let me ask you this, this question. Who are we? What have we pledged our allegiance to? Every Tuesday when we have a city council member or a city council meeting, I stand there as a city council member and I face the American flag and I put my hand over my heart and I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. But what are we pledging our allegiance to? What is it we're saying? We pledge our allegiance to a republic and to the republic for which it stands. A republic governed by the rule of law. And how many believes that? Governed by the rule of law. Now, back last year, we saw a lot of rioting in our streets, okay? George Floyd and other situations that provoked it. And I stood on this floor and I made the statement that you have a right and a responsibility to protest peacefully. And everybody says, amen? Let me read it to you. There are three is really two, but I like to call it three. There are three documents you really need to know. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. You know it, but I won't read it to you. Congress shall not, Congress shall make no law representing an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And some of you that struggle with the separation of church and state, that you don't think that the church should be involved in politics. You don't, you're, you're speaking out of ignorance. You don't understand the separation of church and state. You don't know what you're talking about. The founding fathers wanted to establish the First Amendment to protect the church from the government, but not to protect government from God. And you need to understand that. I said it to you in love. I didn't say you were stupid. I said you're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. The separation of church and state is not even in the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. It was in a letter that Jefferson wrote. And you, you need to research that and understand what his intent was. But God never meant to protect the government from God. He meant to protect the church from the government. The government can't establish religion. It can't come in here and tell me what I can and cannot preach. They were afraid of a state-run religion. They, they fled England for that reason, and they came to America for freedom, the freedom of religion. Got to get off that soapbox. Okay. The establishment of religion or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peace, peaceably, say peaceably, it's a, it's a mouthful, peaceably, to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance. So I stood in here last year and I made the statement that when we were seeing the rioting in our streets because of different things that are happening across the nation, I made the statement that you have the right and you have the responsibility, the right and the responsibility to speak to power. That's a hallmark of our great republic. That's what sets us apart from other nations on earth. The First Amendment, that a man or a woman can stand on, 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 
on public property on the corner and lift their voice and protest to something that's taking place to file their grievance with the government, but they have to do it peaceably, okay? And so I stood in here and I said, not only do you have a right, but you have a responsibility to speak to power. You have that, you have that responsibility, but you do not have the right to become violent and to assault someone or to destroy private property or public property. Amen? Amen. And everybody agreed with that. So again, as we look back on Wednesday, January the 6th, we have a right to march on the capital of this great nation, and we have a right to protest in a peaceful manner and to file our grievance with this, this government. But we do not have the right to destroy that property or to do violent acts or to assault people that are standing there, especially law enforcement. And so let me tell you something. If we agreed with it in 2020, then we better agree with it in 2021. Now, see, you're not clapping like you were before. Listen, what you apply either way, you apply it to the Democrats, you apply it to the Republicans, but you better apply it both ways or you have a double standard. And my integrity as a man of God, if I'm going to stand here and tell you that it's wrong for Black Lives Matter to assault police officers and to protest in a violent manner, then I've got to tell you when other radical groups, whether they be Republican or not, when they attack our capital, they're wrong too. And you may not like that, and you may need to find yourself a new preacher. Just let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll vacate the building. But I'm going to preach the truth to you because I love you. I love you, and I want you to know the truth. I want you to know the truth. And we don't have a right, we don't have a right to protest in a way. Do you really believe that God is pleased with the blood that was spilled on the capital of this great nation? Five innocent lives. Do we really believe that? We've got to search our hearts. Listen, we pledge allegiance to a republic. We pledge allegiance to one nation under God. This nation is founded on Judeo-Christian values. And I, I hold those values tightly. Listen, there are some things in religion that I may hold tightly, and there are some things that I hold loosely. I can hold tightly that I believe in the second coming of Christ, but I hold loosely when that will take place. This can be debated. This can't. Jesus will come back. I just don't know when. And we can agree to disagree over here, but I will not. I will not compromise this one. And I can tell you now that I'm pro-life. I can tell you now that I'm pro-religious freedom. I can tell you now that I'm pro-traditional family. I can tell you now that I'm pro-capitalism. I can tell you now there are certain values that I will stand for, I will fight for, I will die for, and I hold them tightly. There are other things in, in, in this nation that I hold loosely, and there's room for debate, and there's room for disagreement without becoming disagreeable. And that's the way this, that's what, that's the, that's the beauty of this republic. That I can stand and I can debate an issue with somebody and we can agree without becoming disagreeable. I can agree without, I can agree to disagree without burning your house down. Listen, you have a right to protest, but we don't have a right to protest in what we've been seeing over the last number of years as, as we, we disagree, as we disagree over issues those issues go to the courts. 
The courts rule, and then we don't like the ruling of the courts, and so we burn the building down. Listen, here's the way this nation is founded. It's founded out of the kingdom of God, Romans chapter 13, where it says all law is instituted by God. God has a judicial mind, okay? And that's the way he works. And God works through authority. And so whenever I have a disagreement with you, I can go to the court of law and I can debate and I can defend my position and I can argue and I can do it to the top of my voice. But once the gavel drops and the ruling is made, I have to walk out of there and, and, and though I may not agree with it, I have to abide by it and I have to live by the rule of law. We cannot allow this nation to be turned over to mob rule. It has to be governed by the law. We say, at least the Republican Party says, we are the party of, 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 of law and order. Then let us abide by law and order. We have to understand, guys, listen to me. We have to understand that our nation is under attack. And it's not just because it's a democracy, but it's because it's a nation that's founded on Judeo-Christian values. And the enemy is trying to silence the church. So we pledge allegiance to what? A republic. We pledge allegiance to one nation under God. We pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. We are the light of the world, the light of Lady Liberty. And we, have the, we are presenting the hope to the world. We cannot allow the enemy to destroy our, our Judeo-Christian values. We cannot allow the enemy to destroy our republic. We cannot allow the enemy to destroy the rule of law. We cannot allow the enemy to undermine, to undermine the process that we have in place, even the peaceful transfer of power. When my guy wins, I rejoice. When the other guy wins, I have to just, just salute him and respect and move on. I told you that back years ago with President, uh, President Obama or President Trump. If you won, then great. If you lost, he's still your president. We vote on November the 3rd as Republicans, as Democrats, and as Independents. But on, on, on Wednesday, November the 4th, we get up as Americans. And now let's just move on and let's get something done for the sake of our children and our grandchildren. Now, there are certain things that I'm not going to compromise on. I'm not going to compromise on pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-traditional family, pro-capitalism. There are certain things that I'm not going to compromise on. But there are other things that I've got to learn to work with people to get things done for the sake of my children and my grandchildren. But we have to live by the rule of law. We have to. It's a republic. Here's the best kept secret. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Notice the secret power. Then 1 John 4, 3. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. Notice that it's the spirit and not a person. This is not the Antichrist. This is the spirit of the Antichrist that is already at work in our nation. So you have to understand that there's a secret that's at work. Anarchy against the Republic, 
attack on Judeo-Christian values, and assault on Lady Liberty and her light to the world. There's an assault being made. Look, we as Christians, when we look at rioting in our streets, or we look at rioting at the Capitol, when we see all this taking place, we've got to see beyond just radical groups. We've got to see beyond just political parties. We've got to see beyond the color of their skin. We got to see beyond all of that. And we've got to see a spirit of antichrist that's at work in this land. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? There's a spirit of antichrist that's at work. He's trying to undermine this Republic. He's trying to undermine our Judeo Christian values. He's trying to undermine liberty and justice for all. And that's what he's doing. It's not, listen, when I see an attack upon my, my Judeo-Christian values coming against pro-life, pro-traditional family, when I see that, when I see an attack on pro-capitalism, the freedom of the marketplace, when I see this, I see these attacks coming on it. I realize that this is more than politics. There is a secret, there's a secret uh, uh, power at work here. And we as Christians need to realize that. We need to see what's going on in this nation right now. Because if we don't, we're going to fight the wrong people. The Bible says that our warfare is not with flesh and blood but with powers and principalities and the rulers of darkness. Do you understand as long as I fight the Republicans, as long as I fight the Democrats, as long as I fight the independents, as long as I fight black, white, brown, male, female, as long as I fight, I'm never going to deal with the real issue. You've got to move beyond that. You've got to understand the spirit that's at work in this land. When I see things on television, I see the corruption and the decay of our moral values. I recognize the fact that that's concerning. I need to engage as a citizen. You need to get involved in politics. You need to vote. You need to know who you're voting for, what they stand for, and all of that. Amen? we got to get involved. But beyond that, I have to see the spirit. I have to see the spirit behind it. I have to see the spirit behind the curtain that's pulling the strings because it's greater than just a political party. There's a mastermind at work and we need to do, we need to understand that. Listen, if you want to talk about conspiracies, then let me give you some, let me give you some revelation about conspiracy theories. You could talk about the Illuminati. You can talk about, uh, well, I'm going to mess it up. You're going to, you, you can talk about whatever group you want to talk about that's pulling strings and, and, and manip, manipulating things and controlling the market. And, and you can get in all that you want to. That's, you know, go for it. Just go for it. But let me tell you what you really need to understand is beyond all of that, every group, every Illuminati, every QAnon, every Antifa, everything, everything, Proud Boys, everything, everything. Everything beyond all of that, beyond all of that is a mastermind that's influencing people. Do you understand? 
He said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, and notice the bottom one, and rulers of darkness. Men on planet earth that are under influence. Listen to me. There are evil men in this world. I know that. But let me tell you something. There are men and women in this world that are doing things, and sometimes they don't even know why they're doing it. There's an influence that comes over people. Mastermind. You okay? Jesus. Secret power. The Holy Spirit through the church, say through the church, is holding back on the seven mountains of influence, the spirit of lawlessness or antichrist. Do you understand that? He said... He said, it's holding it back. Let me read it. Put it, put it back up. Second, Second Thessalonians 2, 7. For the secret power is working, but the one who now holds it back, or that word can be hinder, will continue to do so until he, the Holy Spirit, within the church is taken out of the way. We are holding it back. Listen, that's why we preach that our young people need to be raised up Born again, filled with the Spirit, equipped, trained, and launched out in the seven mountains of influence. Rather, it's politics, education, the arts, finances, religion, whatever. They need to go. And I know that there are some people, and I respect their opinion. And I, res- I look, here, here's a statement for you. I respect your opinion, and, and that's what we should do, amen? But I value mine more. So... You need to get over that. that, That's where you got to live. I respect you. Everybody has to be that. I respect your decision or your opinion, but I value mine more. If you don't, you're going to be a chameleon that changes with whoever you're talking to. Oh, Jesus. You better find your own mind and you better use it. You better learn to think for yourself. Okay. What was I preaching? Anyway, we need to understand that there is a spirit, okay, that's at work in these seven mountains of influence. And by me being on the mountain of government, though people may disagree with me, and I respect that, I I don't criticize anybody. But there are people who still today say that preacher shouldn't be involved in politics. But by me walking on that mountain of government, hmm. By me walking into city hall and the council chambers, by me going into executive session, meetings that you don't know nothing about, and I'm in those executive sessions, just by virtue of me being there, I'm holding back the spirit of lawlessness or antichrist. That's why I've said to you many times, if you don't like what's coming out of Hollywood, then send your kids there to change it. If we don't like what's happening, listen, we have got to quit being afraid of the world and being afraid that they're going to influence us instead of us influencing them. Either we believe greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, or we don't. See, I was raised in isolation, isolationism, that you isolate yourself and hold on to the second coming of Christ. And we were afraid that if we got into the world, the world would get into us. But my Bible says that Jesus 
ate with publicans and sinners and never became a sinner. That Jesus ate with, with, with uh, prostitutes and never slept with one of them. That Jesus was able to go out among the religious leaders. Well, with them, he just rebuked them and moved on. But Jesus was able to bring about change and he never allowed them to change him. Listen, you've got to learn not to isolate, but to insulate where I can go into city hall and establish righteousness and hold back the spirit of Antichrist without fear that they're going to change me. Listen, that's why we got to know who we are, what we believe, and why we believe it. That's why you need church. You need a pastor. You need a Sunday school teacher. You need people that will teach you the word of God. You need the word of God in you so you can go out into the world and effect change on the seven mountains of influence. Somebody in here needs to run for Congress. You need to go to Congress. You say, I don't like what happened on this election. Then why don't you get off your couch, quit eating your Doritos and drinking your Coke and run for an office and bring about change. My God, at least get up and go vote. But Christians don't vote. Christians don't get involved. And all you do is play Monday morning quarterback. And for those of you that want to play Monday morning quarterback with me on my preaching or what I do in City Hall, I challenge you to run for office. It's coming up this year. You can run. You run against me. And if you win, then God bless you. I'll support you. But get involved or just hush up. Just hush up. I can't say shut up because my mama never would let me. Ronald Reagan, if we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. The video that I showed you, God the deposits his son, that old man said that to that reporter, son, when you get it, speaking of the spirit of revival, whatever you do, don't let it go. Hold on to this republic. Hold on to one nation under God. Hold on to liberty and justice for all. I feel that so deeply. I feel that so deeply. And when you're in the streets of America and you're rioting and you're burning down buildings and you've gone beyond protesting peace, peaceably and you become violent, that's not American. That's wrong. And when you go to our Capitol and I watched as they stormed the doors and I know there'll be those who will email me and you'll say, Pastor, it was Antifa, Proud Boys, Republicans, Democrats, black, white, brown. At this point, we're looking for somebody to blame. But let me tell you who all of those people were. One common denominator, they were all Americans. And we're better than that. We're better than that. 
And while we're debating, oh, it was Antifa, it was the Proud Boys, it was the KKK, it was white, black, brown, Democrat, Republican. Okay, well, whatever you feel, that's, that's, I don't care. That's your, your deal. But the fact is, it was Americans. And the fact is, five people died. And there's innocent blood in the soil. Innocent blood. Do you understand that when that that young lady that served in our military, when they broke those windows, which they should have never done that, and they're trying to come through, and that guy shot her, do you understand that somebody had to get down on the ground with a rag and wipe the blood up off that concrete or that tile? Do you, do you understand that? We need to see that. At our capital, I don't care who you are. I don't care what party you're a part of. That's wrong. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. That's not American. This ain't 1812 and this ain't 1776, so don't even start that with me. That's not what this is. And we have to see that beyond all these groups and people, there's a, there's a mastermind that's at work. That's a mastermind. People said, well, there was Antifa in the group and they were inciting other good people. Well, quit allowing them to incite you and you deal with them. Quit allowing people to influence you and you become an influencer. They say, well, there was, there was a small, uh, my, uh, there was a small percentage. Well, then why didn't the rest of them bow up on them? Where were the people that would have stood up and stood with those cops and said, you're not going to do this. Where were they? I'm just asking questions. I want to know where they were. I'd love to see the video where somebody stood up and said, no, don't do this. We're Americans. We can protest peace in a peaceful manner, but let's don't do this. This is our capital. Let's don't desecrate this building. And let's stop it. Let's, let's don't do this. Reagan said, when we stop being one nation under God, not republic, democrat, or independent, he said, one nation under God, then we will go under. But we ask the question, what now? The good news is, his help is on the way. Second Timothy again, guard this deposit, republic, one nation for liberty and justice. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can guard our values and we can guard Lady Liberty's light. A nation on edge, uncommon threats, fears marked the United States Election Day, CBS, 4 a.m. on November the 3rd. He quoted this, all-consuming hostility between political parties could be the toxin that would kill this young republic and fling it down a dark ditch towards despotism. Anarchy could be another word. George Washington. George Washington. An all-consuming hostility between political parties could be the toxin that destroys us. He didn't just say debate. Debate is a good thing. To stand up and to speak loudly for what you believe in, debate's a good thing. But George Washington, in the early days of this 
young republic said, we need to be careful. They went on in the article and said, this experiment in self-government has endured through 231 years, 58 presidential elections, and one civil war, and is by some assessments the world's oldest democracy. Now the old republic faces uncommon strain in today's election, years of escalating uh, uh, tension between political parties has led to a place where different risk assessment firms that usually deliver warnings involving less developed countries now express fear of instability and the global superpower. The enemy has a secret strategy, we know. Now listen to me, I think they're gonna have this one on the screen. The enemy has a secret strategy, number one, to speak out or to speak to our fear to speak to our fear. Number two, to feed our anger. And number three, to create an enemy. This is the enemy's secret strategy, the spirit of lawlessness. He speaks to my fear. He begins to feed my anger and then he, he points to someone and says, they're the enemy. Now listen to what Paul said, Galatians 5. You bite and devour each other. Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Think of that. Now, as I said earlier, there are certain values that I will live and die for. There are other things where we can compromise. We can do that. But I want you to look back just, just on the year 2020 and see this enemy who's an opportunist. He's an opportunist, we know that, and his battle plan in America. One, the COVID. There was such a division over guidelines. Number two, black and white, division over race. Number three, the election, division over political platforms, parties. You have to understand, we have to be real careful that we don't destroy ourselves from within. Stand up for what you believe in, absolutely. But we have to be careful. And I'll give you one example so you'll understand what I'm trying to communicate to you. I was standing at a polling place here in Beaumont back in 2020 election. And I'm standing there and I'm talking to someone and there's a group of people there that are representing someone that was running for a position and they were Democrats. And there were people standing around. And one of our prominent leaders in Beaumont, he walked up and I'm standing there and I, look, I heard it with my own ears. He stopped and he looked at those people and he said, if you guys vote for the Democrats, I hope you fall down and break your neck. Goodness. And I looked at him and I thought, oh my goodness. Let me tell you something. I have some real strong feelings about pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-traditional family, pro-capitalism. I have some real strong feelings about that. But that doesn't give me the right to look at somebody and say, I hope you fall down and break your neck. Do you think Jesus would do that? Are we Christians? Are we governed by God's word? Do I place God's word above any, any political party? Do I place God's word above any political views? We have to ask that question. As I said earlier, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an American, but first of all, I'm a Christian. And we have to be real careful. Let me, let me just say something to you today that I've said before. And I'm preaching, not, I'm not just preaching here, I'm preaching online to a lot of people. Some people attend this church, some people don't. But let me just remind you 
in taking a righteous stand, which you need to take, let us not lose our righteousness. Now that picture you see right there is when the surge of that crowd, the surge of that crowd on the doors of the Capitol and they were crushing that police officer. Now, do you know that gentleman? That gentleman right there, he's serving his, his, his nation. He's trying to guard the Capitol. He may be a Christian. He may be married and have children. Do, are, we, are we pleased with that? Does that incite us? Oh, we're, oh that's where we're, we're, we're standing up. We're standing up for what we believe in. It, are we pleased with that? that? That disturbs me. That bothers me. That, that that's somebody's son. That may be somebody's husband, somebody's brother. It bothers me. I want to take a righteous stand, but in the process, I don't want to lose my righteousness. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I guard my heart and that I don't allow the spirit of hate to fill me where I hate people. I don't want to have a spirit of hate where I hate you because of the color of your skin or the political party that you're affiliated with or hate you because you have different political views than I do. We as the church have to be careful. First John 4, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this thing. First John 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now just leave that on the screen just for a minute. Listen. I know right now people are afraid. They're afraid of COVID-19. They're afraid of the transfer of power. They're afraid of what the next four years may hold. They're afraid of the future. We're afraid of the economy. We're afraid that there may be rioting in our streets. We're afraid. But let me tell you something. Love is stronger than fear. Fear is a crippling thing. But love is stronger. Love is stronger. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Notice that. Put it up, guys. Uh, 19, we love because he first loved us. Let me tell you something. The way we answer hate is with love. I've said that to you before when we were looking at rioting in our streets because of protesting and, and the shooting of young black men. We, they were rioting. And I said, you know, people ask the question, well, how do you deal with that? I said, you deal with, with love. I love. You, 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 you don't compromise who you are or what you believe. You don't do that. Listen, I said to you, I've taken a strong stand on sin where today it's not a popular thing to do anymore. I talked about pro-traditional family, okay? But let me, let me, let me tell you something. I take a position of love will always tell the truth. And, and love will deal with the sin for the sake of the sinner. Because I want to see sinners go free. And so when I address sin, it's not because I hate that sinner, but it's because I hate what that sin is doing to them. And out of love, I want to tell them the truth and say, you know, you're drinking poison. So you see, I'm not against any people group. I'm not against any people group in America. I'm against the spirit of Antichrist, a mastermind that's trying to destroy people's lives. Jesus, or excuse me, Acts said that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and that's what we're doing. You tell the truth in love to destroy the works of the devil, okay? 
The way we answer hate is with love. Then verse 20, he said, for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God. Notice that. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. Years ago, I was in prayer one day and I, I said, Father, how can I love your people more? He said, love me more. No, no, no. Reverse that. I said, Father, how can I love you more? How can I love you more? He said, love my people more. Let me tell you something. You want to do me a favor? I've said this for years. You, you want to be good to me? Be good to my children. Be good to my grandchildren. You be good to my grandbabies and you've won a friend for life. That's the way that works. And all the grandparents said, amen. That's just the way that works. And so Father God said to me, if you, would, if you really want to love me more, then love, then love my children more. And he did not qualify that and said they can only be of a certain political party. They can only be a certain race. They can only agree with you. He said, you got to love all of them. You got to love all of them. Okay? Verse 21. And he has driven or he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Notice that on the screen. He said, and he has given us this command. That's talking about that love there is God love, which is agape. Did you know that agape love is not an emotion? It's a choice. You choose to do that. I don't have to feel love to love you. I make a decision to. Agape love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Okay? So we're going to make it. Just hold on. Stephen, come help me. Through it all. Through it all. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. I believe in Matthew 24, 8, that we are in the days of sorrow. We're entering into eschatology, end time events, okay? But in verse 14, notice this. Yet through it all, all the things he described, the days of sorrow or what we call birth pains, he said through it all, the COVID, the election, rioting, the economy, through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of this age will arrive. Notice this, through it all, just hold on, because there's going to be a demonstration of the reality of God. I believe we're in the days of sorrow, and through it all, we must hold on for the next demonstration of God's reality. You saw, how many, when you watch that video, and you hear them talking about the revival, you know, in the islands, and, 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 and then you, you hear them talking, and then you see the video about, uh, about uh, Brownsville revival, and you see that crowd surging towards the altar. How many of you, you feel that spirit leap inside of you? And there's a crying out, once more, Lord, just one more time, would you move in America? Listen, in Matthew 24, he said, look, all this stuff is going to come upon you. But he said, just hold on. You're going to make it through it all. But he said, on the other side, there's going to come a demonstration of God's reality. God's reality as opposed to my reality. 
My reality is there's a pandemic. God's reality is by his stripes, I am healed. My reality is there's the economy is tanking for many people. But his reality is he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. My reality is that there's hate in our streets. But his reality is that God so loved the world. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Black, White, Brown. He loved them all. And he gave everything for them that they might be saved. How many wants revival? We can, listen, we have to become kingdom people. Let's pull it down where the rubber meets the road. Could I give up one of my children or my grandchildren? Could I do it? Could I do it? Could I give them up? Could I do it? Could I give up one of my family members if I knew it meant the salvation of Beaumont? If God guaranteed me 120,000 souls or the state of Texas, whatever you, whatever, whatever you need, the United States, if he told me, give me one and I'll, I'll give you all of them, could I do it? Could I give up one of my children, one of my grandchildren for the murderer, the rapist, the child molester? The, the, the uh, uh, Democrat, the Republican, the Independent. Could I do it? Is there enough of God's love in me that I could do that? Could I do it? You say, Pastor, you're asking an unreasonable question. Now, I understand. But this is the kingdom of God. Of every day, you deny yourself. You take up your cross and you follow his example. We have to come to the place where we're willing to lay down our lives for others. That we're willing to love the unlovable. That we're willing to answer hate with love. That we're willing to stand for what we believe in and actually die for what we believe in. But we're willing to, to, to we're, we're able to cross over and to reach out to people. And work with people that we disagree with on non-essentials. We have to be a people that are willing to lay down their lives for others. And I hope you can say amen. Look at it. Second Timothy, guard the deposit with the help of the Holy Spirit. The question, what now? COVID-19, hold on with the help of the Holy Spirit. The transfer of power, hold on with the help of the Holy Spirit. The next four years, hold on with the help of the Holy Spirit. The healing of our nation, hold on with the help of the Holy Spirit. You have to hold on. Repeat after me, help is on the way. You say, I don't understand the COVID. I don't understand the election. I don't understand the next four years. Holy Spirit is going to help us. Whatever cards are dealt us, will play that hand. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll get through this. And you've got to hold on. And Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35, Christmas message. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man or I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come. So you need to know, when you feel overwhelmed and the ominous question of how is all this going to work out, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. Like Mary, when you say, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't have a man. It looks impossible. Just remember, God takes impossible people to make something possible with. So you got to understand. When, when you, you don't see any way out, 
And the question just keeps coming. How are you going to get through the COVID-19? How are you going to get through the next four years? How are you going to deal with this? How are you going to deal with that? You just need to answer as Mary did. When it seems impossible, you just need to answer, how am I going to get through this? By the Holy Ghost. That's how I'm going to get through. By the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through this transfer of power by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through the next four years by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through the COVID-19 by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through the death of my mother by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through the economy by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through the fact that my church is split. One online and one on campus by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get through. You've got to guard the good deposit. The Republic... You've got to guard one nation under God. You've got to guard liberty and justice for all. You've got to guard it with the help, say help, of the Holy Spirit. Repeat after me, help's on the way. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.